right in the balls. Right in the balls. Nailed it! Friggin' immigrants. I probably shouldn't say that because I'll get in trouble. Okay, we don't have racism anymore, but back then, a lot of racism. Get your finger off that. Welcome back to the Renaissance. Ladies and gentlemen, boys yes. and girls uh, come on, come of on. the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how are you, Bubble Boy? I am, besides freezing, I am doing pretty good. How about you? I'm all right. My book came out this week. Hell yeah, <laughs> as it did. You, Woo! As you know, yes. um, if listeners to this haven't pre-ordered a copy of my book or bought a copy of my book, I encourage you to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. Not... Not for me, no. But f- but for you, get for the, the book, world. read the book. Have you? How much of the book have you read, honestly? I've only read the first chapter. <laughs> Do you need me to make a three-minute YouTube summary? <laughs> oh, for God, you, that would be so sweet. Oh, no, yeah. no, no. I'm gonna yeah. finish because I really, I'm really liking it. I, I don't like to uh, compliment you, as you know, but oh, uh, no, no. no, I. <laughs> I don't. I don't yeah. like getting compliments. I honestly don't. <laughs> it makes you uncomfortable. Makes you itch. It does. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I'm like, I people like, start complimenting. I'm like, no, really, no, I don't. Stop. I don't deserve stop. that. Yeah, yeah. No, really. Just, just really. cash. Like as I, as I keep saying, look, I, I don't. I don't think I'm the world's greatest uh, writer. The mm-hmm. book probably sucks in many, many ways. But I think the ideas. Yes. The idea in the book, the central idea about psychopaths running the world and we need to stop them or, 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 or limit their ability to do damage here, here. is a good idea, is, a, yeah. is an important, relevant, timely idea. And I do encourage people to read the book for that reason. Yeah. Because I'm sure you'll all have better ideas. You'll, you, somebody will read the book and go, well, I can improve upon this. Just like... You know, uh, Dan Carlin stole my idea of doing history podcasts and said, right. I can do this better than you. And he does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like Sam Harris took my book well, on free will and said, oh, I can do better than that. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll get famous doing a book on free will. Yeah. Um, oh, somebody will take this and do gonna, something with it. So Who's going to steal this? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Probably. Yeah. Probably some. Yeah. Some cunt. I don't know. Take my idea. <laughs> some and psychopath. Anyway. Speaking of psychopaths, yeah. two days uh, after the death of Piero de Medici in December 1469, which in itself occurred six months after the birth of Niccolo Machiavelli. Ooh. He was born, I think, sort of May 1469. He will appear, obviously, in our future episodes. Right. Uh, a delegation of leading Florentine citizens called at the Palazzo Medici to see Lorenzo de Medici, 20-year-old son of Piero, eldest son of Piero, Lorenzo, a.k.a. Larry the Med. <laughs> the, the, the delegation was led by Tommaso Sodrini, mm-hmm. who had remained loyal to the Medici throughout his own brother, brother Niccolo's revolt and exile. We talked in an earlier episode, they Mm -hmm. revolted against Piero, revolt failed. So he was gone, but the brother, Tommaso, still there. Tommy, 
Tommy the Sod. Tommy the Sod is still loyal to the Medici. They call upon Lorenzo, offer their condolences for the death of his father, Piero the Gouty. Yes. And then, as Lorenzo wrote in his own sort of brief book about the Medici family called the Ricordi, Mm, the record. Right. He writes, although I was very young, being just 20 years of age, they encouraged me to take upon myself the care of the city and the state as my father and grandfather had done. Because if we've learned anything from our study of history, Ray, it's that giving complete (laughs) political power (laughs) to 20-year-olds... Is a is a great idea. Never, never in history has right. that ever, no. ever, <laughs> ever gone badly. Yeah, it's a one hundred percent guarantee thing. No, well, there's a difference between saying, "Oh, I don't know. Let me just randomly pull out a name here." Caligula, who uh, was probably treated like crap um, after his father died, maybe certainly in the six years on Capri, versus a young man here who has been groomed for this, who has had, who has received the finest humanist education in the world. But I think your point is still valid. He's 20 years old. Yes, people didn't live as long generally back then, but how much life experience does this guy have a, has under his belt? It doesn't matter because the city is now his. Well, you, you know, we in, in our other shows, we've looked at Caligula, obviously mm-hmm. uh, came to power around about the same age, did not go well. <laughs> uh, but then we also had Augustus also came to yeah. power around about the same age. Fucking rock star. Well, didn't go well initially. No, did go but well, he survived. I would argue. In the, he survived. Yes. He, and in the long term, he had good... I mean, he had good advisors and he was able to destroy his enemies in particular. Well, after the the assassins of his adopted father, he was able to finally, took him a while, but he was able to get rid of uh, Marcus Antonius uh, and solidify his power. But, um, yeah, look, this whole idea of giving power to a kid. Yeah. Even though Lorenzo is not is not a Caligula, he's not even Augustus. He's got way more experience at this age yes, than Augustus has. He's absolutely. been sent yeah. to kings and popes as an emissary on behalf of his father. And as I think I mentioned in the last episode, Lorenzo is the first Medici to really be born into royalty. Right. Uh, by, the, by the time he's born and, and is growing up, his grandfather, Cosmo, Cosmo Kramer Medici, is the, uh, you know, well and truly the ruler of Florence. Right. So a bit like Caligula in that sense, that he's born as a king, uh, born as a prince, I guess, raised as a prince. Right. He probably doesn't have the threat of getting poisoned uh, or, or, or or strangled in a prison cell over his head like Caligula did as yeah. a teenager. Yeah. So probably psychologically. Yeah. Well, I mean, or not not. I mean, that happened. There was a revolt against Piero. Right. Um. So there were definitely he definitely had enemies. The family had enemies. Uh, could have gone the other way, but at least it's not his own family who's trying to have him. That he has to worry about. So psychologically, emotionally, probably a bit better. Balanced right. than Caligula. even if we even if we say a lot of the stories about Caligula are uh, propaganda can't be believed. A lot of the crazy shit. Still, I mean, yeah. he did grow up 
with with his father murdered, his mother murdered, his brothers murdered. Um, so yeah, it's got yeah. A, that's got to do a number on you. I mean, you know what it's like. I mean, okay, you, you grew up in a bubble. Uh, right. It's exactly the same thing. They grew up in bubbles as well, right. Prince, princely bubbles. Mm. You grew up in a uh, <laughs> just a fucking plastic with an air air tube in it. I mean, that was pretty much. Did you shit. have to? And you had to blow it up every morning yourself <laughs> a little tube. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it! I'm getting aroused. <laughs> No, but the the other aspect of this is an as as I guess uh, Papa Joe, <laughs> Cosimo Piero, this young kid, even even though he's been he knows exactly what's going to happen to him the moment his father dies, he, he gets all that. And like you said, he's been raised and trained for this, but he genuinely cares about the city. There's a long tradition of taking care of the city. Yes, they're going to get rich in the process, but the uh, De Medici have, have, have done, have gone out of their way and done incredible things to care for and beautify the city of Florence. This isn't just some rock star gig. He actually cares about the history of the city, everything his grandfather, his great grandfather, grandfather, father have done. He does care about where he's at. It's not just, I'm the top dog now. I can spend all the money I want. He cares. Well, uh, yes. Um, but I, I, would also, I yeah. would also want to remind people about the political realities of the situation. Uh, if, if he turned down oh yeah. the power, oh yeah. then, then what happens? Um you know he he's still rich. He's still got even if he turns down like the top job, and and it's not even a job. He's not given a job. Right. He's just he's yeah. not the gonfaloniere. He, he's just yeah. yeah yeah. Even if he declined that and said, "Listen, uh, quite honestly, uh, not for me. Yeah. This whole uh, ruling behind the scenes thing. Right. You guys just go back to the way it was before, yeah. uh, like a, like a genuine republic and open voting and all that kind of stuff." We, 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 A, we've seen how that's gone before. I mean, yeah. it, it, it led to a lot of violence, civil wars, Completely. blood in the streets. Right. Uh, yeah. In in Florence. Um, secondly, the Medici have enemies already and they're going to come after him. They're going to want to get rid of sure. the Medici the bank. They're going to want to get rid of the Medici money, the Medici uh, influence. Right. So he's in a... Sort of no-win situation. You either take the, the you accept the power, in, right. in which case you get called a tyrant, yeah. or, or you decline the power, in which case you probably uh, are going to be dead. Right. Um, I mean, he's, he's people are going to try and kill him anyway. Yes. Oh yeah. But at least, at least if they're trying to kill you when you have a lot of power, right? You probably have a better chance of defending yourself, hopefully, than if they're trying to kill you when you have no power or, exactly. or, or lesser power. So, like, I feel for it. He he himself said in his recording, "This proposal was naturally against my youthful instincts. Feeling that the burden and danger might be too much for me, I consented to it unwillingly." Uh, now, I've read in some of the books that this is false modesty uh, on right. Lorenzo's behalf, um, but but I kind of get it. If, if I put myself in his shoes yeah. and he's got, let's say, he's got good advisors, if, if I was an advisor to Lorenzo, I'd say, listen, honestly, usually doesn't go well when, when guys your age um, <laughs> get this amount of power. Right. However... If you don't take it, um, it's probably yeah. still not going to go well for you. So yeah. I, I say you take it, 
and we try and make the best out of the shit, sham- shit sandwich. And by shit sandwich, I mean you're the richest guy in the world and uh, you run the greatest city in the world. So, right. you know, in terms of shit sandwiches. <laughs> it's not that shit. Yeah, it's not that shitty. There's more it's shit. Like, yeah. it's, it's like a Tony Coniston shit sandwich. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's made out of solid gold shit. Right. Yes. But it's still... Well, see, and the other side of that is because you're a Medici, I can promise you a lavish, lavish funeral once you're assassinated. So either take the job and the burden or the finest funeral anybody's ever seen. It's it's a no-brainer. He really doesn't have a choice. And the city, like you said, the city needs him to take it because we've seen what happens when, one, other people besides the Medici are in control, and two, they've tried other things where you, it's a free-for-all, which goes back to rivalry, which goes back to assassination. So please take this job. Keep it running smoothly like your um, forebears did, and hopefully we can get on with making money and making our city beautiful. That's what we want to do. You see this shit sandwich, Lorenzo? This is gold. <laughs> this is gold. It's not it sexy. <laughs> win, win, win. You know. But I appreciate Lorenzo because another thing that he wrote down in his recording, which is uh, Italian for memories, he writes, I did so in order to protect our friends and property since it fares ill in Florence with anyone who is rich but does not have any control over the government. I at least appreciate him being honest, brutally so. Look, I'm going to do this so make sure no one can kill me, no one can hurt my friends, and we get to keep chugging along. I'm doing it to protect what the Medici family has built up over generations. Because if I don't, damn sure someone's going to take it away from us. And I think you make a good point. Like that, that quote... I did it to protect our friends and property because it's dangerous to be rich in Florence if you don't have right. power. Right. Um, he's honest, yeah. as you say. Like, uh, he didn't say, I did it for freedom <laughs> and uh, <laughs> democracy. It was like, well, no, I did it because, you know, I had to, it was a smart thing to do right. and I had to for protect me. myself and my friends yeah. and yeah, <laughs> friends and family, protect our interests. Exactly. He's being, you got to give him credit. Yeah. Anyone who's that. Honest about something like that, I think, says a lot about his character and his integrity. He could have spun a whole bunch of Republican-y-sounding bullshit. By Republican, I don't mean American Republican. I mean, like, Italian Republic. Like, no, I did did this for the nobility of Florida. No, he goes, no, I did it to to save my fucking bacon. I like my bacon. So I, I... well, I give I you know I give him props for that. Right. Again, as you know, like when I'm trying to determine if when you're trying to get through the propaganda, yeah. Um, I always look to the things that these these sorts of powerful guys say and write, mm-hmm. and and see if it, uh, uh, you know, it's a form of literary criticism, I guess, to see if. That is what you would expect them to write or right. say mm-hmm. if they were crazy, bloodthirsty dictators, <clears throat> or if that is what you would expect them to say or write if they were relatively sane, reasonable human beings mm. who were trying to do something for relatively right reasons. Not to say there's no self-interest involved, but sure. you know they 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 did have you know uh, uh, understandable. Uh, reasons, Re- you know, they're, they're reasonable human beings that, that that have goals and objectives that we can understand, and and, and that statement is is sort of in in line with that. Kind of makes me feel like um, he's probably somewhat trustworthy. Right. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about his background. He was born 
Uh, on New Year's Day, 1449, oh. right. Piero had seven children, four male and three female. Mm. Only four survived. They oh. were the, his four, his four favourites. Right. The others, uh, he just left them out to die. Wow. I think he's just, oh, okay. really? Yeah. You? Oh, no, <laughs> it's not no, so no. much. See, that's why, yeah. that's why Catholics used to have lots of kids, <laughs> so they could. Because they would pick and choose. Just, yeah. Yeah. Keep the good. Like, you don't know until they come out. Right. Are they worth keeping or not? When they come out, you go, oh, yeah. this one, yeah, fuck, know. you know. Look at those cross yeah. eyes. I don't, I don't think so. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Is that I wrong? Think sorry. None of, the, none of the Medici were that good looking. I That's, mean, true. That's true. You're not going to choose your Medici kids by uh, <laughs> their looks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no Fabio's here. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lorenzo says that Piero did not make a will, but we drew up an inventory and found we possessed 237,988 scudi, as is recorded by me in a large green book bound in kid. Uh, and the kid that he's talking about are the siblings that didn't survive. That's what they did with them. They skinned them and oh used God. them to All right, bind... <laughs> I've actually got a Clarice. I got a couple of Clarice. So quite a lot of things. I'm using Silence of the Lambs later on in the shows, man. You, uh, oh, we're way ahead of me. Yeah. We've synced. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so the survivors. Sorry, well, Lorenzo, two boys and two girls. Lorenzo, his right. brother Giuliano. Yep. And uh, two two sisters who aren't worth naming because you know, they're women, quite frankly. And um, well, one of them becomes know, um, a useful pawn. If, she marries somebody. We'll get into that later. Never mind. Yeah. What have What have women ever done for us? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. 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 Good to see but, you got. Good to see you. Good to see you got my back there, Bubble Boy. Well, it depends. You're I mean, on, if you're just going to go out own. there and. And show your ass, but you're on your own if you're being attacked unfairly. I'm, I'm but that's exa- that's exactly when I you have to have my back. That's I would be, when your friend when job. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> when your friend is doing something that's obviously Look, suicidal, that's when he needs you. When he's okay, when he's when he's you know uh, sensible, right, and covering all his bases, doesn't he doesn't need, need your protection. Okay. Let no, me, God. Let me, let me tell you how I see it from my point of view, and that's really all that matters. One, you've come out with a book challenging all the powers that be, and they're all fucking psychopaths. Two, you're putting out a film that's gonna piss off the Christians. <laughs> yeah, it's all right, and they're wrong. I get that, but they're still gonna fucking kill you. You want me to back you up? Fuck you, Cam. Yeah. I never heard of Cam before. I uh, what? What's a Cam? Uh, I don't even know what a Cam mm-hmm. is. When is payday exactly? <laughs> a couple of weeks away. That's we'll see how you change your story by payday by the end of the month. You'd be like Cam, Cam, buddy. I love you, I, buddy. I'm here for you, buddy. I am here, can you, can you, for you. Any chance? Yeah. Any chance you can you can process the pays a little bit early this month? Because I'll send you another I'm, dick pic. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I if got you your don't back. pay me, if you don't, mm. I get you back. Yeah. But just uh, t- anyway. two hundred and thirty-seven thousand nine hundred eighty-eight scudi. What's scudi, right? Break Ooh. down a scudi <laughs> for me. I don't know what isn't that like. 200,000 florin, but I don't know what a scudi is. The uh, the scudo, right. the singular, scudo. Uh... <laughs> what 
one for the road. Scoot up. Oh, 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 It was the coinage used in the papal states by the popes. Oh, something, something, scudo. Oh, oh, there you go. Thank Scudo. You. Musical that. version. Gotcha. Coiny juice of the... I don't know the conversion. I couldn't be fucking bothered. It's a lot. It is. Basically, the point is... Yeah. When Piero died, despite, you know, we said that he, he wasn't the, the fucking sharpest knife in the drawer, <laughs> Piero. Uh, he wasn't a Cosmo. He wasn't a Papa Joe. Right. But he did, you know, and, and things started to go badly and, and Kingston people started to renege. Yes. On their loans to the Medici as soon as uh, Cosmo died. But Piero did okay, batting down the hatches, got the alum business from the uh, papal alum control. Mm-hmm. And by the time he died, he was only in power, what do we say, five years, I right. think. But by the time he died, uh, they were doing okay. The Medici yeah. was doing good. Both yeah. personally, their personal accounts and the bank we're looking very, very good when young Larry, Larry the Med takes over. Now, Piero obviously knew he wasn't a well, well, well dude. He had the right. gout. Um, so he had sort of prepared Larry to take over from an early age. As we've talked about before, he was only 17 when Larry was sent to Milan to negotiate yeah. with uh, Galli, Galli Sforza. right. Um, he went there to, uh, you know, check out Galley's method of tearing his enemies apart limb by limb in the torture rooms, just to, just as, just as research. Right. Yeah. Uh, we've got some, got some good Galley stories, Galley Arzo, good Galley oh, stories coming up God. in the next couple of episodes. Yes. <laughs> oh, 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 Galley. What a stable genius. What a fun, right. what a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very stable genius he was. Yeah. Um, But one mistake Piero had made with Larry was not preparing him well enough to take over the banking business. Larry, when he was in Rome visiting the Pope in negotiating the taking over of the alum business, Mm -hmm. he was apparently expected to do like a crash course in running a bank from his uncle, Giovanni Tornabuoni, who is the manager of the Rome branch, but uh, didn't really get into it. Did it did it for a couple of weeks, got bored. <laughs> I know this banking, is my future job, but this is what he said. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean I mean I get that he's like what 17, 18, whatever, his father's very sickest, so it's not like his father can come up there and whip his ass or whatever. But I mean, this is the very foundation of their wealth. He can't be bothered to learn the ins and the outs of the banking, which in some ways makes sense because he is going to be the CEO. He is going to have his fingers in a lot of different pies. He doesn't need to specialize in banking. But you would think it would be a decent idea to have a general knowledge of what goes on, but I don't think it just fit his temperament as we, I can't remember if we said this on the last episode, you'll have to remind me, but his mother was, um, was rather artistic. He's going to get that from her. He's going to, he's going to develop his own abilities. I just don't think crunching numbers was his thing. And as he is the Prince, if he doesn't want to do it, fuck it. Yeah. It's my guess. Yeah. He got away with it. Yeah. Bad. So they basically have a bank now without, without an owner operator. Um, you know, he is very flamboyant, as we'll see, very artistic, uh, loves writing poetry, 
Yeah. Uh, loves loves the hunt. Loves looking fabulous. <laughs> but uh, banking, nah. long term, nah. not a nah. n- not something he really cares about. Yeah. It's this old uh, like shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations problem. Right. You know, you you tend to have first generation who builds the thing, second generation that manages it relatively well. Third generation comes along and they're like that. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. what granddad. That's that's granddad's business. <laughs> can, I, I don't, can we get I don't a guy? Really care about that. Can we get someone to yeah. write it? Just I need to sit yeah. here and do my poetry. It's not my thing. That's what I'm. When I'm rich, yeah. Uh, that's what I'm going to do with these shows. Right. I'm going to have someone else impersonate me doing the shows, doing all the work. Uh, just see if you can tell. Right. Or, or I, I can just get a soundboard. But yeah, I, I, I take your point. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I just get someone to come in and do an impersonation. Kadai, right? <laughs> but no, I'd, I'd, I'd hire an Aussie to do it. Well, yeah, so that, that, that was my Aussie. Sound retarded. Oh. Like hey, by the way, oh. speaking of retarded uh, Aussies, right? Retarded Aussies. <laughs> Chrissy and Fox uh, went to Australia Zoo with one of his uh, little friends uh, oh, nice. the other day. Yeah. And uh, the Irwins came out and hosted the Croc Show, which never happens. Nice. Um, We've been there a million times, never seen a fucking Irwin. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, t- Terry, for the fans of the Crocodile Hunter out there, Terry, uh, Robert and Bindi all came out and did the uh, did the croc show, which is the main thing when you go to Australia Zoo, middle right. of the day in the big uh, auditorium mm-hmm. where they, they have the big crocs come out and they throw them meat and they try and get them to look like they're alive and these crocs are just like, oh, fuck, and not this again. These crocs Jeez. do not give a shit, seriously. Like, like they're so well-fed and they're old and they're bored. Yeah. They crawl out. It's not at all. You know, Sinister you see photos, the ads for Australia right. Zoo and back in Steve's day when yes. he was when they were younger. You'd have crocs leaping up out of the water trying to get the meat. Now, that, <laughs> nah. now Semi-retired. they basically, you yeah. know, oh, they look like they just shot up some smack before they came out. They're like, oh, <laughs> this fucking away. thing. Is it payday? People. No. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. But a um, bit like you, right. they're the Ray Harris's of the croc world. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, they saw the Irwins. It was pretty exciting. Cool. They were pretty pumped cool. up about that. It's pretty. Fox is a huge, you know, huge Irwin fan. Sure he's, he is. he's got Steve Irwin dolls, and stuffed crocodiles, right. yeah, tattoo on his dick, yeah, <laughs> the whole thing. Like his, his, his dream in life now is to work at Australia Zoo, and he's all a huge, huge fan of the Irwins. Take it, the women. He knows he knows the uh, crocodile hunter movie word for word back <laughs> oh to back. God. Seen it a million That's times. Some parody, right? He does. He 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 role plays when I take him to a park. He goes, "Hey, dad, who dad? Watch me. Who's this?" And then he'll jump across the sandpit like he's trying to grab something. All and right. I go, "You're Steve Irwin <laughs> in the opening of the crocodile hunter movie, trying to catch a lizard." He goes, "Yeah." yeah. He jump across the sand. Go, oh crikey! <laughs> go, yeah. Okay, nice one. Go anyway, uh, how did we get onto that? Oh, oh yeah, no. banking. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not his thing. Not his thing. Right. But he did have a world-class humanist education. He, like his teachers were the finest minds of Florence. He could read Greek. He'd attended meetings of the Platonic Academy, if that even existed from an early age. He was also very athletic. He liked hunting, as I said before. He liked playing uh, something called Calcio which was uh, an early version of football yeah, and um, also the name of my primary school, Kalki. 
And Paloni, a ball game played in a court with gloved hands. It was like squash. Right. But you didn't have a racket. You had hands. Hell yeah. Well, everyone has hands. But gloves on your hands and you'd smack a ball against it. So very, very artistic, very athletic. Wrote poetry in Tuscan, not Damn, Latin. right. Uh, uh, did you Did you read any of his uh, poetry? Uh, no. Uh, were you impressed? Oh, not that much, no. But, you know, I wrote, I read some of it. It's right. all, you know, flowery rubbish. Yeah. Um, but it but, takes um, talent. It was education to do that. Well, some of his poems were respected enough to be included in sort of the collection, the, the, the canon, the high oh. canon of early Italian poetry. Right. So whether or not it was, they really thought it was good, like, oh, shit, he's paying for this. We better put <laughs> we some better of his poems in. Show up. Yeah. yeah. Go yeah. get some poor people yeah. to stop the street. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But he didn't get the reasonably good looks of his father because he was a Medici and he's as ugly as fuck. Right. Uh, Lorenzo. Here's a description. His straight, thick, dark hair Uh parted in the middle fell almost to his shoulders. His long, flattened nose, which had no sense of smell, looked as though it had been broken and badly set. His heavy jaw jutted forward so that his lower lip almost encased the upper. The eyebrows above his big, dark, penetrating eyes were irregular and bumpy. (laughs) He was quite strikingly ugly. His voice was cracked, nasal and high-pitched. Yet when he talked, his face was so animated, his manner so arresting, his long slender hands so expressive Uh that few noticed his defects. And I just realised something. Right. Um, uh, Fucking what's the animated kids thing that... uh, Oh, Shrek. The bad guy in Shrek. Go and have (laughs) Lord Maximus Farquaad. Yeah, yeah. In Shrek is, uh, his nose isn't quite, he's probably not quite as ugly. Right. But I reckon he's based on Lorenzo. If you go and have a look uh, at this animated character, yeah. Lord Farquaad, and yeah. then you have a look at a painting of Lorenzo de' Medici. Oh, yeah. He's the inspiration. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But. Yeah, he's not not quite as horrendously ugly, but basically yeah. he's the same guy. Yeah, but he's a born prince. He's going to be in charge one day. Every no, everybody knows he's going to be in charge one day. He's got more money than God. I would imagine, at the very, very, very least, and th- and this, and I'm being completely serious about this, the amount of confidence in this young man, in himself. He's got this first-class education. He's got all these different talents. He's developed himself uh, physically, intellectually. I don't know about spiritually, and so he's not good-looking, but you've got to think that he's a natural-born leader. He's confident as hell. He's rich. He can have anything, and so I imagine that that level of confidence and um, self-assuredness is going to take him a long way. So he's no Fabio. It's okay. You know, he's got other things to bring to the, to the, bring to the game. Yeah. He's going to be okay. Well... Uh, yeah, he's, 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 I mean, he's, he's got assets. I mean, they say he was tall and well-built but clumsy, had long hands. Yeah. According to one contemporary, his voice and pronunciation were harsh and unpleasing because he spoke through his nose. Ooh. Mm, he's bung like, bung like this. <laughs> he's a, 
Would you like me to read some my poetry? Yeah, no. Would you like some fries? (laughs) Would you like some fries with that? I just bought the restaurant because I can. Yeah, I mean, he's like Bruce Wayne, but Bruce Wayne's really good looking. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact remains, according to this contemporary, that he was attractive to women. Oh, the ugly attractive. Been there. All right. Well, the money and the money and power had nothing to do that. Had nothing to <laughs> right, do with that. Right. Uh, you know. Well, sure. Like he was rich and powerful, but come on. When have women ever been attracted to I wealth and power? I can't think of right. one. Um, I can't think of one. One instance. Nah. He had. Did he have a primeval sexual raw power about? I'm starting to get turned on. Anyway, the point is, I mean, but again, he was confident as fuck and he knew who he was. And that's got to be attractive on some level. Yeah, as I always say to Chrissy, you know, would you still love me if I wasn't poor? (laughs) She says, I don't know, let's find out. (laughs) You just step on minefields all the time. Anyway. But he was also a party hound, had a strong taste for the bawdy, for sexual innuendo and ribald stories. Would have loved Ooh. our show. Would have yes. been a huge fan of our show. <laughs> according, so. according to Machiavelli, to see him at one time in his grave moments and at another in his gay was to see in him two personalities joined, as it were, with invisible bonds. Oh, yeah, he can, he can do it all. I mean, he can be serious because if you think about it, his job is pretty much this. I I am a one percenter. I can do buy anything I want. But in order to do that one day, I'm going to have to work pretty hard. I'm going to have to handle crises. I'm sure crises are going to come up. But the benefit of that is I get to live like a rock star, but I do have to earn it to a degree day in and day out. So those are two very contrasting things that I think he probably encapsulated quite well because he knew what was expected of him. Probably did it with his dick. I'm just saying, I don't know. I wasn't there, but probably. (laughs) One of my better moments. (laughs) Uh, he loved a practical joke. Uh, the story is told that, w- that one night yeah. there was this doctor that they used to hang around with who was shit-faced drunk. <laughs> Jesus. And Larry came up with the idea that they should grab the doctor and well, when he was, like, out of it, drunk, <laughs> and, 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 like, take him out to somewhere in the country, lock him up Jesus. in an abandoned remote farmhouse somewhere. Sure. And then go back to Florence and spread the rumour that he was dead. Which they did. Oh, my God. Good times. They went and told this guy's wife that he was dead. That's horrible. When he finally escaped, right? like a week later, finally escapes, returns home, walks walks all the way back. He's he's dirty. He's pale. He's bedraggled. Yes. Uh, His wife... He knocks at the front door. His wife looks out, believes he's the ghost <laughs> of her husband and refused to let him in. <laughs> she had already moved on and was yeah. fucking Lorenzo. <laughs> She's like, what? Oh, oh, that's really you? Oh, Shit. Lorenzo, go out the back door. He's yeah. back. Lorenzo's like, ho, ho, ho. Oh, good joke. Good joke. But he, but he, said, you, he said you were dead, honey. That's right. So I gave <laughs> and it you up. just believed him? Yeah. Well, I opened my legs. You know, right? He's got that. He's got that that nose and that nasally voice <laughs> and long flat nose. Yeah, it's you know, 
How can I'm only human, honey? Right. Really. Uh, yeah. And he put a floor in between my breasts. What was I supposed to do? Come on. The scooty. He stuck his like scooto between my. <laughs> and it was on. And it was on. He was also, though, known for his uh, kindness and consideration and compassion. Mm-hmm. He was very affectionate with his with his friends. He uh, had a lot of simpatico, had a deep love of animals, and, and, and not in a sexy Virginia kind of way, <laughs> just in a normal way, particularly that for his normal. horses. He generally right. fed his own horse, oh, Morello. I'm impressed. Uh, um, you know, speaking of Morello, I've got to play this. <laughs> and he would hum that you know what, as he fed his horse. No, I don't know that. Do you know what that has to do no, with Morello? Tell no, tell me. That's Rage Against the Machine lead guitarist is Tom Morello. Oh, gotcha. Pretty impressive. Fucking hell. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he would feed Morello himself. He enjoyed supervising his farms down in the Mugello. Oh. He had cows down there and pigs now and rabbits talking. and pheasants. And, right. and uh, he, would, he would make his own cheeses uh, oh. and, and making uh, statues of Jesus out of cheeses. Um, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So he was that, that kind of a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally a Renaissance man. <laughs> We was breeding racehorses like like Tony Kynaston. Right. He was basically the Tony Kynaston of Florence, although wow. I don't think Tony makes his own cheese, but right. he eats it. He could. That's oh, it's, it's he could. close, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. No, but he's yeah, got yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got the free time. He, he he sounds like someone who is just very open to the world. Every scene, everything he sees, he's interested in. He gets he has the time to dabble in it. I mean, he's got the resources, he's got the time, he's got I'm sure assistants and staff and friends. And so he's, he's basically exploring the world, knowing that one day he's going to take over. And maybe this is his time to party. Like Cosmo couldn't really let loose until his father died because, you know, he was pretty much under his father's thumb. But maybe this is his time to have fun because he knows what's coming. That burden is going to be put on his very young shoulders. He was probably just a very curious person. Well, I think he's just, uh, you know, he's he's uh, a, a rich guy who, according to the the records, mm-hmm. and you know, some of this is probably people blowing smoke up his ass, but it seems to be. <laughs> and I mean, there is a lot of mythology. Uh, I've read a couple of books on Lorenzo that says, yeah, look, a uh, lot of mythology, a lot of lot of um, uh, uh, smoke blowing up his ass. Right. In the 60s, there was a movement to try and dispel all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I think historians are coming back again and saying, well, actually, let's not be too critical, too harsh of Lorenzo. He certainly had he had, he had his pluses and his minuses. But anyway, uh, one of his friends, the poet Angelo Palaziano, mm-hmm. wrote something down talking about a day spent in his company yesterday we all rode out of Florence singing happily. Mm. Occasionally we broke off to talk seriously of holy things to remind ourselves that it was Lent. They stopped to drink. Poliziano remarked on the brilliance with which Lorenzo enlivened the whole company. That evening they sat reading the philosophy of St. Augustine and then the reading resolved itself into music and dancing. (laughs) First thing next morning, he says, Lorenzo went off to Mass. 
So that's a typical day with Lorenzo. Damn. Singing, dancing, poetry, philosophy, and then he gets Religion. up and goes to mass the next day. Yeah. So yeah, he's uh, he, life. he he was very very popular. Yeah, life of the party. Right. Serious but fun loving. Um, everyone seemed to like him. Everyone he had he, he had male friends. He had female friends. He wrote this poem uh, early on in his life. How youth is beautiful, yet also so ephemeral. Mm-hmm. Waste not time on sorrow, for there's no certain tomorrow. Nice. That was almost a wrap. I mean, but yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. He is squeezing all 24 hours out of the day, doing very different things, and he's got the education and the personality for it, so why shouldn't he? Yeah. It's good to be the near king. (laughs) When he was uh, 19, uh, his mother decided it was time for him to get married, and a bride was selected for him. Ooh, yeah. That's how that works, huh? You, someone else picks your wife? Now, here's, here's the thing that I found interesting. So, as we know, because we've, we've been doing this series for a while, the elite Florentine families often, just like the Romans did, just like a lot of civilizations do, they cement alliances with marriages. And if you we remember, I think it was one or two episodes ago, when uh, Luca Pitti, who was one of the conspirators going after Piero and he broke down completely. It was like they were going to come together and try to make everything okay. Piero had actually promised Luca Pitti that Lorenzo would marry one of his daughters to help calm the situation down in the city when it was at its most tense. However, Piero, once that that dissipates, that emergency dissipates, Piero's going to put that promise aside, and he has very specific reasons for why he's going to do that. What are they? They are that, first of all, and, and you know this has... You know this has got to come out at some point. So after the the um, attempted conspirators' plan falls apart, Piero learns that Pitti's was one of the people who was insisting that Piero be killed during the revolt. And two, once word gets out that Pitti completely broke down in front of Piero, I'm so sorry, crying the whole bit, you kind of lose respect for someone like that. So this once powerful figure was now being held in contempt by the Florentines, and you don't want your son, who is the future prince, to marry a daughter of a person with this kind of reputation, because if there's anything we've learned about the Medicis, they are patient, but they are always thinking about the future, and supposedly um, Lorenzo's future is supposed to be super awesome and bright, you can't have him marrying into this type of family. I studied nuclear science. I love my classes. I got a crazy teacher. He wears dark glasses. Things are going great. And they're only getting better. I'm doing all right. Getting good grades. The future's so bright. I gotta wear shades. I So, true. I mean, they're thinking of the future. Yeah, go ahead. So his bride, the bride selected for him is 16-year-old heiress from Rome, Clarice yeah. Orsini, the daughter uh-huh. of Jacopo Orsini uh, from Rome. <clears throat> now, we've talked about the Orsinis uh, many times, uh, you know, one of the most powerful families in Rome. Yes had basically controlled Rome on and off uh, for, for centuries. Yes. They had battled with their their enemies, the other major faction in Rome, the, Ors- the Colonna, mm-hmm. the Colonna, uh, the Orsinis, uh, uh, the Colonoscopies <laughs> and the Orsinis. They, they, 
they battled for power really? in Rome <laughs> for <laughs> centuries. For centuries. Uh, <clears throat> now, uh, Lucrezia, uh, uh, Larry's mother, right. and I'm sure his father too, wanted him to marry into nobility. Sure. Remember... You know they've they've come from nowhere. Yeah. The, the Medici. They've come from. They were country bumpkins. They've gradually built their way up to becoming first rich. Right. First, you get the money. Then you get the power. Yeah. Then you get the woman who is nobility, and then you. That's right. Then you become yes. nobility yourself. That's that's how Scarface uh, yeah. put it. Tony Montana. First, you get the money. Then you get the power. Then you get the nobility. Um, now, according to family legend, the Orsini were descended from the Julio-Claudians. So he wasn't just marrying into nobility. He was marrying into the, the, the original. Right. The original nobility. Yeah. The only nobility worth talking about, right. quite frankly. Right. If you're not a Julio-Claudian, you then you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're fake news. <laughs> You know, you, now yeah. their family, their family seat was the most magnificent castle in central Italy. It's on the shores of Lake Bracciano, about twenty miles northwest of Rome. They had huge estates on the outskirts of Naples, but most importantly right. to the Medici, apart from the nobility aspect, yeah. was they had their own private army. <laughs> And you've got to imagine that Piero, with all the troubles he's had, um, um, revolted by the pity or whatever, and others, he's like, you know what? The idea of having to rely on other people really, really sucks. I've got all these alliances that keep forming up against us. We need the ability to have a force of our own besides some mercenary force or whatever. If we can marry into this family that has got its own private army, maybe people will think twice before fucking with us. Yes. To be quite blunt. Like it's, you know, they learned, Piero learned this during the pity conspiracy that you talked about before. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have to rely on mercenaries, that's tricky. Yes. Because mercenaries can be outbid. Oh, yeah. Uh, or, or no, they can be outbribed, or you can be outbribed, right. I guess, when exactly. you're trying to hire mercenaries, <clears throat> which will come up a little bit later <laughs> in the story yet again. <laughs> so it's, but it's always good to have your own yeah. army, or it's connected with your family, permanent, yes, standing army oh. that can be used to defend you in times of danger. Now, the, the Medici may have been the papal bankers, but the Orsini actually had power within the church itself. Mm. They had several cardinals and popes come out of the family, yeah. including Pope Stephen II, right. Stephanus Orsinus, who was uh, pope around 750 CE, mm-hmm. Pope Paul I, Paulus Orsinus, also was a pope around the 750s. Mm-hmm. Pope Celestine III, Giacinto Baboni, another part of the family, right. uh, from around 1144. He was created cardinal in 1144. Pope Nicholas III, Giovanni Gaetano Orsini, created cardinal in 1244. Nice. And Pope Benedict XIII, mm-hmm. Pietro Francesco Orsini created Cardinal in 1672. So that's... Uh, Pope... Yeah. 
Yeah. No, no, just between, I mean, the, the their aristocrats, they've got family members all throughout the church over the last couple of hundred years. They got tons of land, tons of riches, their own private army. They are basically going to be filling all the, well, the, the few gaps the Medici have. This is perfect for Lorenzo. And speaking of Pope Benedict, we watched uh, The Two Popes on Netflix oh, is that good? the other day. Uh, it is good, yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, I was a little bit eh, going into it, but um, Anthony Hopkins sold me. Yeah. I mean, I'll watch Anthony, yeah, and my good friend, <laughs> Sir Anthony Hopkins, who I met once 25 years ago, but still call him my good friend. Right. Did um, he lose your number? Yeah. Uh, no, I you lost, lost his, his number. number. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't give him my number because I don't just give out my number <laughs> to anybody. Okay, sure. And B, yeah. I didn't know who he was at the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the great what ifs of history. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, great performances and a good story. Uh, a lot, of, I mean, it's fabricated. I mean, it's the. The pri- supposedly the private conversations and meetings between Benedict and Pope Francis as, as Benedict's getting ready to retire right. and he wants Francis to take over. Um, well, he wants someone to take sure. over, and but he, you know, he he doesn't like Francis to begin with, and then they kind of develop a friendship, um, which is all happens in private. So there's no way anyone knows sure. what really fucking right. went on or what was said. But it's uh, very well, very well uh, shot and and directed and. And acted, and yeah, a very engaging story. So cool. uh, I give it two thumbs up. Nice. Two thumbs up, the Pope's butt. Um, As it should be. Just how the Pope's right. like it, yeah. yeah. Um, it also gets into a little bit of Operation Condor, because I don't know if you know oh, this, yeah. and I didn't know this until I watched the film, but Pope Francis, uh-huh. before he was a Pope, but going way back, he was the head of the Jesuits in uh, Argentina during one of the right-wing revolutions in Argentina in the 70s that was supported by the Americans right. with Operation Condor, where they were going around rounding up priests and Jesuits and, ex- and nuns and political activists and execute, torturing and executing them. Right. Uh, Francis was uh, the head of the Jesuits, as I said, and he basically did nothing to stop it. He was bas- not a, quite a collaborator with the right-wing fascists. Yeah. No, no, not even sympathetic. I mean, the way it's depicted in the film, and I have no reason to think this is incorrect, is he he believed that, um, you know, trying to fight the fascists would end up with everyone getting killed. Sure. So he just tried to get everyone, he just didn't speak out. And he told his told his priests, don't speak out against this because they'll just have us all killed right. and that's going to accomplish nothing. But a number of his priests and, and some of the ladies involved in the, the Jesuit uh, political activism said, fuck that, we're not just right. uh, bowing it. down. They did speak out and try and put up a resistance and they were arrested and tortured and killed right. and thrown out of aeroplanes and stuff like that. And so he was disgraced when the when the fascists were finally kicked out of power after I don't know, eight years or something. He was disgraced and lost his job as the head of the Jesuits, was sent out into the wilderness uh, in the slums basically just to be a, a lowly priest right. again and worked his way back up, basically sort of... Uh, Damn sort of had a reckoning. Uh, uh, I think he felt guilty over his lack of um, 
bravery or courage during that period right. and, and started to become an activist priest working with the poor, working with the homeless, um, preaching poverty uh, of the, the church should be, pov- you know, go back to poverty and all this kind of right. stuff. And, you know, worked his way back up and, and you know, ended up becoming uh, Wow. To check that out. Um, so anyway, yeah. good story. Yeah, check it out. Good good film. Give it, I give it props. Okay, so anyway... Um, the Orsini, back to the scene. Now, there was an, even an Orsini who tried to assassinate Napoleon III, good old puffy pants himself, in 1858. And they had several people in the Orsini family called Napoleone Orsini. So I think they they objected to him, him having the same oh, name. Oh, can't um, have that. They were, no, they, they had copyright, right. they felt, on the name TM. Napoleon. Gotcha. Um, so anyway, by marrying Larry into the Orsini family, Piero was hoping that this would move the Medici into a, a new class. Maybe, right. oh, maybe I never wanted this for you, Michael. Uh, maybe one day you would be <laughs> Senator Colleoni, Governor Colleoni. <clears throat> Another Petsonofanti pub. Oh, well, there wasn't enough time, Michael. There wasn't enough time. It's okay, Pop. It's okay, Pop. Uh, I'll take care of it. I, I said I'd take care right. of it. I'd take care of it. They were patient, just like the Medici, you know, planning these things out generations at a time. That's just incredible. Now, Larry's mother, Lucretia, went to Rome to inspect the girl. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you can guess what I mean by inspect, right? You've, you've <laughs> inspected a few... <laughs> Are we talking about the times Women? you don't pay? Because uh, I just want to make sure I get this right. <laughs> when when you're selecting right suitable brides for your many sons, right. you know you have to have the uh, oh, fatherly yeah. inspection. All right, uh, well, or, or you can send a mother to do it if you're too busy. But I prefer <laughs> to do the inspections <laughs> myself. Sorry. I say that to my <laughs> my twins whenever they get a girlfriend. Yeah. Well, Hunter yeah. hasn't got a girlfriend yet, but. One day. <laughs> He's saving himself <laughs> for, him. Mrs. Wright. for Scarlett Johansson, Who I isn't? think, uh, when he goes to Hollywood to Who be is? a big star. Who That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but Taylor, he's, he's, had, he's had lots of ladies, and I always say to him, listen, yeah, as your father, I think I, I, need, to, I need to inspect For you, I'm doing this them. for you. For you. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I would hate for you to, you know, right. find yourself embarrassed. Yeah. Maybe I he goes, what do you mean? Well, I want to make sure that she is a virgin. He goes, like, yeah, I can assure you she's not. <laughs> oh, well, I need to check. No, seriously, I can. Well, there's layers. I can definitely there's, assure there's you that she's okay, not. Okay, I, <laughs> I have to. I have to see for myself. That must be a fun uh, conversation you have with your child. <laughs> <laughs> so the mama bear. Actually, catch, go ahead. Actually, my. Whenever Taylor gets a girlfriend, I go, where can I meet? He goes, no, you can't. There's no way. No, there's no way. Even for an Australian, you're out there. So no, thank you. No way I'm exposing someone I care about to you, you crazy old fucker. Anyway. Anyway, where was I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, uh, uh, you know, the the Florentines um, didn't take kindly to their heir apparent marrying a dirty, dirty, dirty Roman girl. <laughs> right. What's wrong with the Florentine girls? They yeah. wanted to know. 
Good point. Now, by the way, right. uh, Clarice went on to bear Larry ten children. Damn. Seven of whom he liked enough to survive infancy. The other three wasn't. He turned them into uh, linings of books. Um, <laughs> but one, one of those children would go on to become Pope Leo the Tenth. Not bad. I'm glad he kept that one. So. Good job, but yeah, but that was yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. the way. That's that's how he decided which ones to keep and which ones to not keep. He's like, oh, do I think? Okay, I know you're only three months old, but, but now is the t- do I think you you're pope material? Yeah. If you're not pope material, what good yeah. are you to me? Yeah, honestly, exactly. But this yeah. was exactly what the Medici were going for. We're going to marry into this aristocratic family who happens to have their own private army. And one day, our I mean, if you were to, if you were to somehow wake up Giovanni and tell him this, however, it was that four or five generations down the road, you one of your off one of your lineage or whatever will be at the Pope. I mean, he would have freaked out. That was beyond anything he could imagine. And yet, they planned for it and made moves to get to that point one day. Absolutely incredible. Uh, do you know what happened during Pope Leo X's reign? No, don't, don't ruin it for me. Something bad? Uh, well, no, a chap by the name of Martin Luther oh, fuck. Nailed, <sighs> nailed some things up on a door and uh, Pope Leo was like, who? Never heard of him. <laughs> fuck F- off. Fake news. <laughs> Nothing will come of that. <laughs> Yeah, so Medici had to deal oh, headache. with with that. Yeah. Um, oh, how are we doing for time? I think we're we're probably yeah. yeah time to wrap up. So uh, that's where we'll we'll wrap up with that, um, and we'll get back to the life of Larry the Med uh, in our next episode. Uh, Ray, oh, yeah. don't forget buy a copy of my book. Two, uh, two two copies. <laughs> Give one to the person in your life who you most think yeah. is a psychopath, buy one and give it to your boss. Ooh. That's what I recommend. <clears throat> give it to your boss. But update your resume and first. say, I think you should read this. <laughs> or give it to the your HR manager because the big concern is how do we, how do we manage psychopaths inside of organizations? Psychopath epidemic. Look for it on Amazon or in your local bookstores. And if you have a local bookstore, if you're in a bookstore for whatever reason, uh, and they don't have it on the shelf, and quite frankly, they probably won't, quite honestly, say to them, uh, how come you don't have the uh, Psychopath Epidemic by Cameron Riley in here? And they're like, oh, should, should we get yeah. it in? Fuck yeah. yes, you should get it in. Get get him in right. there you go. to do a, do a bit of a Q&A, and then you know, I'll let you buy me dinner afterwards. <laughs> so that's... that's Win-win. You know, win-win. <laughs> From a certain point of view, win-win. Win, win, win. (laughs) (laughs) Amen.